Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. You've been watching President Biden at the White House moments ago. He said he's confident that the administration will soon reach one million coronavirus vaccine shots a day but that he may be able to reach the administration 1.5 million a day, if not more. President Biden also signed an executive order aimed at strengthening American manufacturing and announcing he plans to replace the entire fleet of federal vehicles with American-made electric cars. Biden saying it's part of his plan to rebuild Americans' backbone. Also part of that plan, a $1.9 trillion economic relief package. Uh, he just said a lot, a lot to chew over. Let's start with CNN's Phil Manningly. And, and Phil, let's talk, start with the relief package um, because it's, it's going to be the first major test of Biden's uh, pledge to be bipartisan and also whether or not he can pass anything. Yeah, it's the cornerstone legislative proposal of his first year in office. It's the one his administration has made very clear is the focal point of all of their efforts related to COVID relief, whether on the economic side or whether on the public health side. And it is a proposal that has been received by Republicans in some mix of either cool to ice cold over the course of the last several days. Here's what the takeaway was from that. President Biden is not done trying to negotiate with congressional Republicans. And I think that is a different spot than you hear from a lot of Democrats, both in the House and the Senate, who are ready to move forward with a procedure that would require just Democratic votes because they believe that is the only pathway forward. Biden making uh, clear and citing his past work, both when he was President Obama's vice president, when he was a senator for 36 years, that there are options and opportunities to negotiate, including bringing up one of the issues Republicans have mentioned as potentially problematic. The $1,400 increase in direct payments. Republicans have raised concerns about the cutoff thresholds for that. Biden saying he's open to negotiating that. But there are a couple pieces there that I think are worth pointing out. One, he said the idea of moving on a partisan basis will be up to House and Senate leaders. He also noted he is not keen on breaking apart his proposal. He wants to keep it together. And the reason for that is because many of the pieces on the public health and ep- economic side are really closely intertwined and are designed to work together in kind of a quilt as you try and address the outstanding concerns. But he also made very clear that Unity, as he defined it, does not necessarily mean that Republicans and Democrats are all voting for something, but instead it's something that the public supports. And this is something I've heard from both administration officials and Democrats on Capitol Hill, that they believe on a lot of these issues, whether it's more money for vaccines, more money for testing, more money on unemployment insurance or the direct payments, that they believe they hold the upper hand in terms of public sentiment there. So keep an eye on that as well. And the last thing is he made very clear he wants to continue negotiating with Republicans, but he put a timeline on it, said it'll probably be a couple weeks. So a couple weeks for those negotiations to really start to bloom at this point, Jake. They haven't yet. He may have to choose or I suspect he will have to choose whether he wants it to be big, one point nine trillion or whether he wants it to be bipartisan. It's unlikely he's going to be able to get both. Phil Mattingly, thanks so much. I want to bring in CNN senior medical correspondent Elizabeth Cohen now, because obviously President Biden uh, spoke a lot there about uh, the coronavirus. So, Elizabeth, uh, Biden was asked, uh, when will every American who wants a shot be able to get a shot? And he couldn't say. Um, What are the complications in making this happen 
shouldn't he be able to say at this point, um, I realize he hasn't even been president for a week yet, but, but still, he, shouldn't, he, shouldn't they have an idea of when they think they could project that every American who wants one can get a shot, even if it's July or August? You know, Jake, a lot of the experts I'm talking to say that they think he's actually pretty smart not to be making that kind of projection because we saw what happened when the Trump administration said last fall and at the end of last year, oh, you know, 20 million shots in arms by the end of the year. And they didn't even get close to that. You know, it's very difficult to predict the future. Um, and so the, he may be sort of taking a wise road there. There's basically two things that make it difficult to move as quickly as anyone would like with this vaccine campaign. The first is, is that no one has ever mass produced an RNA vaccine. That's what Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines are. It is tricky. It is a tricky thing. It is not a chemical. It's a, it's a biological entity they're trying to produce. And making these vaccines is tricky. You have a shortage of one, of one ingredient or something goes a little bit wrong in your production line. And all of a sudden, you can be having real output issues. And now, secondly, as we've seen, is that even once those doses are made, we have not been great at getting those distributed in an organized way like they have in some other countries. So those are the two challenges that sit before the Biden administration. Biden didn't really answer a question uh, about teachers in Chicago and whether they should return to class as the Chicago public school system wants them to. The teachers union in Chicago voted against it. They're not going to follow the orders of the Chicago uh, public school uh, system, uh, arguing that there is a lack of vaccination for educators. Um, It seems like Biden is refusing to acknowledge the fact that there is increasingly a conflict between school districts that are trying to make schools safe so kids can get back to class in class learning uh, with PPE and better ventilation and more. Uh, And teachers unions who are concerned about their teachers getting COVID and are basically just refusing what the health officials say they should be doing. Yeah, Jake, you're absolutely right. The president really punted on that question when asked about this. He said we should have safe schools so that the students are safe and the teachers are safe. Well, that's not really saying anything because obviously the school system thinks it's safe or they wouldn't be asking them back. And obviously the teachers don't think it's safe because they're refusing to go. It will be interesting to see as things evolve. At some point, will the president say, you know what, we totally understand that teachers, many of whom are might have underlying conditions, might be older, uh, that they have understandable concerns about getting back in classrooms with chil- with children or young people who are often asymptomatic. They could be surrounded by young people who have COVID and don't even know it. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if he does sort of make a concession to that and say, I understand why these teachers are so concerned. Yeah, but the White House can't have a position of like, we're going to go by the health experts, except when it comes to teachers unions. I mean, that's you can't have a carve out. Right. Either you listen to the health experts or you don't. Uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Cohen, thanks so much. Uh, let me bring in uh, Nia Malika Henderson uh, and, uh, and Phil Bump. Uh, Nia Malika, um, let, let's talk again about the COVID relief deal. Uh, President Biden would not say uh, if he would use reconciliation to get it passed. Just to explain for our viewers, uh, that's a process by which you only need uh, 51 votes as opposed to 60 votes. The 60 vote threshold is normally how you do it, but there's a way to Weasel your way around it. If it's an economic uh, package, you, you can do reconciliation. He's making no promises. Um, but, you know, it has to be pointed out, one of his key pam- campaign selling points was that 
he would be able to work together with Republicans. And this will be a big test. Of course, there were conversations uh, this past weekend with some Republicans who you would think would be on board with this. People like uh, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, their concerns are about the size of the package. They just spent $900 billion. Not all of that money uh, has been dispersed. So uh, asking Republicans to get on board for this uh, $1.9 trillion package uh, at this point is a heavy lift. So they are expressing uh, concerns about that. But you do also have uh, Democrats who went through the Obama years, including Biden, uh, and saw how long it took uh, to negotiate Obamacare with Obama trying to get Republicans on board. That, of course, never uh, ended up happening. So you've got some progressives saying, uh, listen, Democrats now have uh, the Senate by a slim, slim majority uh, with with Biden providing that or or with uh, Harris providing that 51st vote. And there is kind of broad support among Americans for some sort of uh, relief. And so would that be enough uh, to essentially just go forward? Or is that kind of already scuttling this big promise uh, that Biden has made, which is that he can uh, work across the aisle and get these sort of uh, negotiated deals that get some support from the GOP? And Philip, let me ask you about this schools thing, because uh, I really think that the Biden administration is going to have to face facts here, that there is a conflict between health experts and teachers unions throughout the country. Now, there are exceptions, places like Cobb County, where they are not providing safe schools for the teachers to go back to. But on the other hand, there's like Virginia. And Virginia teachers said they wanted to be bumped up and get vaccinations ahead of other people. They were, and still in Fairfax County, uh, Virginia, the teachers' unions are saying even though teachers are getting these vaccinations, they are not ready to commit to go back to school in the fall. Um, at some point, aren't they going to have to make it make side with either the health experts or the teachers unions directly? Yeah, I mean, there's a great report in The Times as well about schools in, in Nevada and the concerns that they have for young people there who have been out of uh, contact with their peers for so long. And yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, look, what we're seeing is this is an administration that's less than a week old, and we're seeing this is the part where you actually have to start leading. You actually have to step up and be, okay, I'm the president, I'm going to resolve these issues. Uh, it's easier on the campaign trail when you have a thousand things going on at once to make these sorts of claims. Yeah, I'll deal with this, I'll deal with that. Uh, it's much harder to actually do that from the Oval Office itself. Now, I mean, that said, it is the case that the uh, Biden administration came in and sort of established itself as, look, we are going to cut through the noise here. We're going to follow the science on this, and we are going to be the ones to sort of move forward on what's happening with this pandemic. Now, that's the, the, the issue of schools is sort of tangentially related to actually addressing the pandemic itself. But this is very much the sort of place where voters should have expected a President Joe Biden would be able to say, OK, we can figure out how to, how to manage the, the middle between these two sides here. Again, we're, what, five days into this administration. We could probably give them a couple more days than that. Uh, but that said, this is absolutely the sort of thing that I think voters would have expected Biden to be able to resolve. Yeah, it, unless, of course, he's in the pocket of the teachers unions. But, but Fauci and others have been very outspoken for months and months and months that kids going back to in-person education is a top priority. And as long as teachers are wearing PPE and students too, and there's ventilation improvements, the risk is, is minimal. It, it's safer than in the population at large. And, and Nia Malika Henderson, Philip Bump, to be continued. We'll have you back again soon. Thanks so much. In just Thank a couple you. hours, the House will send the article of impeachment to the Senate as we learn new details now about an alleged plot to help President Trump overturn the election through his own Justice Department. Plus, 
$1.3 billion. That's how much Rudy Giuliani's election conspiracy theories might cost him. We're going to talk to the lawyer behind a massive lawsuit against former President Trump's attorney. Stay with us. We're representing... Today we are learning more about the lengths to which former President Trump went to use his office or attempt to to overturn Joe Biden's legitimate clean win through Justice Department machinations, we learned. And as CNN's Ryan Nobles reports for us now today, the internal watchdog at the Justice Department announced it will investigate whether any department officials acted improperly to try to reverse the results of the election. In just a few hours, for the second time, articles of impeachment against former President Donald Trump will arrive in the Senate, starting the clock on Trump's trial. First of all, I think the trial is stupid. Uh, I think it's counterproductive. Tonight, the articles will be put on display. Tuesday, senators will be sworn in and the summons will be issued. Sources tell CNN that Vermont Democrat Senator Patrick Leahy is expected to preside over the trial, not Chief Justice John Roberts, who's not constitutionally bound to do so, since Trump is in an office. Trump will then have until next Tuesday, February 2nd, to file his answer to the impeachment article. That is also the deadline for the House to file their pretrial brief. The final paperwork must be filed on the following Monday, setting up the start of the trial on February 9th. The schedule gives Trump's legal team time to prepare as new details emerge about his time in office, including his reported efforts to pressure the Justice Department to look into baseless claims of voter fraud and weighing a plan to fire the acting attorney general during his final weeks in office. Details which are now being investigated by the Justice Department's inspector general. For the president to try and get an attorney general who will just totally lie about the results of the election and cause chaos in America. The impeachment trial is also likely to highlight the growing rift in the Republican Party. I believe that, that what is being alleged and what we saw, which is incitement to insurrection, uh, is, uh, is an impeachable offense. If, if not, what is? This trial is beyond our constitutional authority. Amid the debate about the path forward for the GOP, Ohio Senator Rob Portman today announcing he will not seek re-election in 2022. It's kind of shirts and skins, isn't it? And uh, that makes it more difficult to find that common ground because elected officials aren't rewarded for that. The impeachment also becoming a flashpoint among House Republicans, with Florida's Matt Gates, a loyal Trump supporter, planning a trip to Wyoming to target Liz Cheney after the third-ranking Republican in the House voted to impeach Trump. Cheney's office responding by poking fun at Gates for wearing makeup during TV interviews. A source telling CNN in Wyoming, the men don't wear makeup. And in just the last hour, Congressman Gates responding to that criticism from Cheney's office, saying that his issues with Cheney aren't personal. It's just about his vision for the future of the Republican Party and that it's very different from that of Liz Cheney's. And that future of the Republican Party could be in the backs of the minds of many of these Republican senators as they deliberate over whether or not to convict President Trump in this impeachment trial. The growing sense is that many believe that President Trump will still have very passionate support among the party's base and that it's unlikely that 17 of them will cross party lines and vote to convict. Jake? Yeah, I remember when Matt Gates brought a Holocaust denier to the State of the Union address. He's a real leader. Thanks so much, Ryan. Appreciate it. Joining me now is one of the House impeachment managers who will prosecute the case against former President Trump, Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell of California. Congressman, uh, the path to convict President Trump in the Senate, it's rather unlikely. You would need 17 Republicans to join all 50 Democrats. Uh, What makes you think that you're going to be successful convicting him? 
I don't like what our country would look like if we didn't do this for the sake of accountability. I think of you know, black Americans whose votes this president incited a crowd to go to the Capitol and disenfranchise. Deterrence. It would only be in the final days of a presidency where you try and pull off a coup. So we have to show that we'll hold a president accountable all the way up to the last moments. And disqualification. This president has such a disdain for public safety and for the Constitution that we don't ever want to see him in office again because he would do this again. So we have to try. And we've got the evidence and we're going to make the best case. As uh, Ryan just reported, we keep learning more information. Uh, for example, it was just uncovered that President Trump was was discussing uh, with a different Justice Department official replacing his acting attorney general, Rosen, uh, with this other individual who would go along with his false claims uh, of election fraud. A, do you plan to incorporate any of this new information in, in your case against the president? Uh, and B, might there be some wisdom in waiting a few months just for the investigation into what happened uh, to bear more facts? Uh, so, uh, Jay, I guess, A, I would say I can't reveal trial tactics, and, and B, I hear you on that, but we're ready to go right now, and the Senate is ready to receive them. But I, the evidence you referred to is powerful motive evidence, that he was willing to stay in office at any means necessary, that this was not a January 6th heat of passion crime where he just got worked up in the moment and let the statements that he made about fighting and not showing weakness and calling the crowd a cavalry, that it wasn't just spontaneous, that for months he wanted to hold on to power and he knew that he could invite those supporters, inflame them, and then incite them to go to the Capitol. Republican Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he spoke with President Trump during the Capitol siege. Do you plan to call Kevin McCarthy as a witness? So we're still waiting to see if the Senate will allow witnesses. What I can say is the senators themselves are witnesses. And Ben Sass uh, has given public statements about he called the White House and was told during the siege that the president was taking great delight in what was happening. So... Uh, this is an extraordinarily unique situation where the jurors are witnesses and victims, and the crime scene also is the courtroom. So you might call Ben Sass. I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, we're waiting to see what the the rules will be around that. And, and again, we're not going to reveal any you know tactics this early until we know what the rules are. Um, but uh, but just to underline, you're not ruling out McCarthy or ruling in. Uh, you know, I'll leave that to our, our team to decide. But uh, we'll be ready. We, we're ready to go right now. And again, these senators. Unlike most trials, they actually were witnesses to the crime. So yeah. you don't have to tell them twice what happened. While I have you here, I want to ask you, House Republicans have called for you to step down from the House Intelligence Committee because uh, of the situation. You were informed by the FBI that you had been targeted by an alleged Chinese spy who I guess is no longer in the country. Have you learned any more about this case uh, since this broke in early December? Uh, and can you clarify how much contact you had with this Chinese national who goes by uh, Fang Fang or Christine yeah. Fang. Uh, Jake, yes, and this is a 2015 meeting about a person that I had as a volunteer back in 2012 on the campaign. The FBI has said that I did nothing wrong. Don't take it from me. There was no wrongdoing. I've learned nothing new. And Speaker Pelosi has said that she's keeping me on the committee. And by the way, Jake, Republicans were briefed on this conduct that this individual was trying to do with me and many other members of Congress back in 2015. I think this is retaliation more than anything else. Democratic Congressman Eric Swallow of California, thanks so much. Uh, My pleasure. Appreciate thanks, your time. Jane. Dominion Voting Systems announced today that they're suing Rudy Giuliani for $1.3 billion for defamation. Former President Trump's attorney repeatedly pushed election big lie conspiracy theories 
in public, on his podcast, on multiple TV appearances when he discussed Dominion, which provided the voting machines in at least two dozen states for the 2020 election, including in Georgia, uh, one of the many states where President Trump refuses to accept that he lost fair and square. Uh, the attorney uh, representing Dominion, Tom Clare, joins me now. Uh, Mr. Clare, thanks for, for joining us. You've also sued uh, Trump's other attorney, Sidney Powell, although I don't know if he acknowledges her anymore. Uh, and when asked if you would sue former President Trump, you said you're not ruling anybody out. How are you exactly determining who you sue? For example, Trump, some anchors at Fox, they all push the lie quite a bit, but they also have a lot of, a lot of money to defend themselves. Is, is, does that factor into your decision? We're looking at, at everybody who trafficked in this misinformation campaign. Uh, we're taking a very evidence-based approach to it. We're not in a hurry. Uh, Dominion is in this for the long haul to make sure that it gets vindicated and the American people have uh, uh, confidence in the election that just took place and have confidence in Dominion's role election. And so we're looking very carefully at each speaker, uh, at the evidence that we have, and uh, we're going to be coming after each of person or uh, media outlet that played a role in perpetrating this uh, disinformation campaign. So we have not ruled anyone out. Uh, we've sued Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani thus far, and uh, we expect there will be uh, many, many more. Giuliani pushed these conspiracy theories. These, I mean, we've been very clear from the very beginning, false, deranged, unhinged, uh, but he pushed them, you know, wasn't just standing uh, in his living room. He went on to OANN, he went on to Fox, he went on to Fox Business, do you plan to sue those media outlets? We're, we're looking at, at, at all of those outlets, uh, Jake. We're looking at, um, obviously, Rudy and, and Cindy Powell could not have done this alone. Uh, they obviously made the statement and they continued to push, but they did it with a very, very loud megaphone that was provided to them by many others. Some, some you've mentioned and others that you haven't. And we're going to take a look at each one of them and, and the level of irresponsibility and recklessness by putting these folks on the air to spread this information, uh, this disinformation to the American public and, and damage Dominion in the process. Giuliani just said on his radio show that he has reports and analyses of Dominion machines uh, that and he can prove that they can be the machines and were, in fact, manipulated. He said he even got it on tape uh, just for the record. Rudy Giuliani has been lying about this stuff for months. I don't believe it. It's crazy. That said, what's your response? Well, it's it's exactly the reason why Dominion needs to move this uh, discussion into a courtroom, because it's very easy to say that you have evidence on your own radio show uh, or on social media or on Twitter. But uh, we want this in a forum, a courtroom that where there are rules of evidence and where you have to produce your evidence. You can't just talk about it. And that's why we've taken this step. And we're going to encourage Mr. Giuliani to put forward his evidence in court where it will be evaluated uh, by a judge and ultimately a jury in, in finding out what's true and what's not. Isn't Donald Trump really the, the leading purveyor of this false information? I mean, he has the biggest megaphone before he was taken off social media. Uh, what would be the reason to sue Rudy and Sidney Powell, but not the leading purveyor of this big lie? Well, we haven't ruled any, anybody out. Uh, we're going to have access to discovery in these lawsuits. Um, we're going to evaluate the roles of people behind the scenes. And I expect that as we get into discovery and we learn uh, what people's roles were, there will be additional lawsuits. Um, if we believe we can make a case, we will. 
Well, it, the discovery works both ways, as you know. And Giuliani uh, today was saying he was excited because this lawsuit from your company will allow him to investigate your company's history and finances and practices fully and completely. He said he's going to, quote, have a lot of fun with the discovery process. Uh, is there not a risk? I understand what you're doing. You want to stop these lies that have hurt your company, not to mention hurt the country. Uh, but is there a risk that allowing Giuliani and his flying monkeys of deranged conspiracy theories into your information that this could create even more conspiracy theories? Well, um, unfortunately, these uh, crazy and false allegations left the company with no other choice but to take this step to protect itself and to defend its reputation. Um, but we have uh, no concern. Um, we obviously understand that we are going to be litigating in a public forum uh, and that discovery goes two ways and Dominion is, uh, is not backing away from that. Um, we think it's important for the American people to have all of it laid out in both directions so they can judge for themselves and we're prepared to, uh, to conduct discovery uh, both directions. Because of letters you sent to Fox, uh, a number of their anchors, uh, Piero and, and uh, Bartiromo and, and, and Lou Dobbs, I think, all aired this odd video that provided facts about Dominion, um, despite the lies that they had all been uh, providing themselves. Was that enough for you? Well, um, I'm not going to speak specifically about, about those um, because it, uh, we, we haven't yet pursued those sorts of claims. But I can just tell you that none of the retractions or apologies that have been put forward thus far are, are really sufficient to really set the record straight. Um, it's too little too late. The uh, damage has been done. This company has been destroyed. Uh, it's been labeled as radioactive. Its contracts have been put in jeopardy. Its employees are getting death threats. Um, it's, uh, there's going to have to be more accountability than that. Let's talk about the death threats because Giuliani mentioned Dominion in his speech hours before the terrorist attack on Capitol Hill. Uh, he also said it, he talked about Dominion numerous times on social media, uh, amid the breach. You claim in your suit that the insurrectionists bragged about defending the United States of America from Dominion on social media. What concerns you the most about how willing and receptive some of Trump supporters and, and terrorists have been to these conspiracy theories? Well, I, I, I think what, 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 what that really shows is that, is that words have consequences in the world. People don't just listen to this crazy disinformation and tune it out and go about their business. It affects them. It, it, they internalize it. It affects their actions. It affects their willingness to act. It, 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 in some instances, could motivate them to get on a plane and fly to the nation's capital and stand in the, in the National Mall and listen to a speech um, where it, it creates an environment where real actions take place in the real world. And there has to be accountability for that. There has to be accountability for um, having that effect on people that could be a danger to other private citizens who are uh, entitled to their reputation or entitled to go to work in, every day and, and earn a living for their families. Um, it's uh, it's the reason one of the reasons why we're bringing this claim. All right, Tom Clay, our attorney representing Dominion Voting Systems, thank you so much. Stay in touch. Uh, it is important to stand up for facts and truth in this day and age uh, when both uh, are in short supply in some quarters. And I believe that your CEO, the CEO of Dominion, is going to be on Chris Cuomo's show uh, later tonight. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jake. A new scary warning about the U.K. variant of the coronavirus that is already here in the U.S. That's next. Plus, the GOP turning on its own. We're going to go visit a swing state where Trump's hold on the Republican Party is causing a war.
within the party. Stay with us. In our Healthy Today, Moderna says its vaccine is expected to protect against new strains of coronavirus, but it's also working on a booster shot, which could be even more effective against these new strains. A highly contagious and now it appears more deadly UK variant is spreading in the U.S. and in 45 other countries. But Dr. Fauci says he's more worried about a South African variant, as CNN's Erica Hill now reports. The virus variant first discovered in the U.K. is not just more transmissible, Scientists now say it may also be more deadly. They became convinced that it is, in fact, uh, a bit more virulent, namely make, making it more difficult when you get to the point of serious disease and even death. So I believe their data. As the variant spreads here in the U.S., the push is on to boost the pace of vaccinations. Moderna expects its vaccine will, to some degree, protect against the variant. There's just one problem. I can't tell you how much vaccine we have. And if I can't tell it to you, then I can't tell it to the governors and I can't tell it to the state health officials. That's the new CDC director. And that problem is forcing scheduled appointments to be put on hold. New York City does not have enough doses. Plans for mass vaccination sites, New York's City Field was supposed to open today, paused. The Biden administration once again shifting its message. 100 million shots uh, in his first 100 days in office. That's a floor. It's not a ceiling. Just over half of the 41 million doses distributed nationwide are now in arms. 2,000 shots administered at this site Sunday in Seattle. Amazon helping out with logistics. We are very grateful. Average new cases down in nearly every state over the past week. Not a single red state on this now familiar map. There is now clear evidence that the uh, peak has passed in the United States and cases are dropping rapidly. COVID hospitalizations also declining. California lifting regional stay-at-home orders for 90% of the state as ICU availability increases. Massachusetts ending its curfew today, but not Ohio. Unfortunately, it's going to have to stay. Deaths still far too high, nearing 420,000 including this Ohio couple, childhood sweethearts who died within minutes of one another, holding hands. They taught us all really um, what love is. Mayor de Blasio says here in New York City, more vaccine is urgently needed. He believes the city could administer as many as 500,000 doses a week. This week, they're scheduled to receive 107,000, so obviously not enough. And that is why, Jake, despite being slated to open today, the mass vaccination site behind me at City Field is still on hold. Erica Hill, thank you so much. I want to bring in Dr. Ashish Jha. He's the dean of Brown University School of Public Health. Dr. Jha, good to see you. So Moderna today said that the UK strain had no significant impact on its vaccine, but the South African strain, they said, had a six-fold reduction. How worried are you about the South African strain of coronavirus? So, Jake, first of all, thanks for having me on. I am not that worried yet, and I want to use the word yet for two reasons. First, we haven't seen the South Africa variant in the United States yet. Uh, And second, uh, despite that reduction in, in kind of neutralizing antibodies, uh, I still think there's good reason to believe that the vaccine will be effective. And of course, there's a third issue, which is we can always create a booster against the South Africa variant. So I don't want to blow it off, and I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but it's not yet any reason to be substantially concerned. So Moderna is testing a booster to help its vaccine better protect against the variants. How long might it take to develop a booster? 
Yeah, again, we're obviously in new territory. I think what I'm hearing is that it's probably a four to six week process and it'll raise really important questions like how much testing would we need to do of that booster? Uh, we probably don't want to or need to run brand new clinical trials, but we would probably want to do some testing before we gave it out widely. So, so issues to still sort out, but it's going to be in the order of weeks, uh, not many, many months. When you go out, when people in your family go out, do you wear one mask? Do you wear an N95 mask? Do you wear two masks? Should we all be doubling, out, doubling up on masks? What do yeah. you think? I'll tell you what I do, Jake. Um, for most outdoor things, I'd go for a walk with a friend or I take my dog out for a walk. I wear a single mask. A cloth mask is fine. A surgical mask is fine. If I'm going to be indoors at all uh, for any extended period of time, I do double mask. I I wear a KF94. They're readily available on online retail stores, Amazon, etc. cetera. Uh, N95s really are reserved for healthcare workers. Uh, KF94s or KN95s are high-quality masks that you can get. And then I will put on a surgical mask or a cloth mask on top of it. I think that two layers of masks really do offer protection uh, in higher-risk situations. Dr. John, obviously, uh, when it comes to opening schools, we want the schools to be safe for, especially for teachers, since Older people uh, are more susceptible. Um, but we keep seeing now these situations where schools and health experts say it's time to open the schools. There are really health, damaging health impact on kids. And, you know, as long as kids and every as long as everyone's wearing a mask and we've in, improved the ventilation system in the school, this is what we should do. And we keep seeing teachers unions across the country saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're still worried about our teachers. Um, where do you come down on this? I mean, it, it does seem like Democrats when they ran for the White House, said, we support the science, we support the science. But then when it comes to this conflict between health officials and teachers' unions, they're pretending there isn't a conflict. Yeah, so first of all, I think President Biden has been pretty clear. He wants to get schools open. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's the right thing to do. We've got to get schools open. Uh, I think all of us are saying we've got to get schools open safely. And, and so mask wearing is a critical part of that. Uh, a lot of schools have not improved their ventilation, Jake, and I do think we need investments in that. And then the last point is I've argued really probably back to September that we should have some level of testing in schools. So a combination of those three things, I think, can make schools open, uh, allow us to open up schools safely. Uh, that's the key part there. And, you know, obviously there are going to be people who are going to disagree with that, but science on that is pretty clear. Okay. So you think as long as there's improved ventilation, testing and PPE, but those are important. You can't just like, you can't just shortchange it. Dr. Ashish Jha, thank you yeah. so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Jake. Former President Trump left the White House with the Republican Party in more turmoil than ever before. But as CNN's Kyung La reports, the rifts within the GOP are evident in the key battleground state of Arizona. Keep Arizona red and to make America great again. Donald Trump may have lost the 2020 election, but he has not lost the Arizona Republican Party. However Trump rolls is how the Republican Party is going to roll. This is the first gathering of the Arizona Republican Party this weekend since Trump's defeat. Good morning, Arizona Patriots! In just four years of Trump's MAGA messaging, voters in this once reliably Republican state voted to elect two Democratic senators and a Democratic president. But here, members punish their own for not being Trump enough. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank the AZGOP censured today. Republican Governor I'm Doug Ducey, Cindy McCain, the widow of the late Senator John McCain, and former Senator Jeff Flake. Ducey's perceived Republican offense was enforcing emergency health orders as COVID cases spiked. 
Blake and McCain for not backing Trump. Did you vote for John McCain? I voted for John McCain. But I that was then, say these lifelong Arizona Republicans. This is today. Are you concerned about the censure of Cindy McCain? No. I'm sorry, I voted for John McCain. So and we're here to increase the, the Republican Party by making it a MAGA party. And I finally had to, had to say no. Um, I, I don't want to be associated with the Arizona Republican Party. That's it, says C.J. Deagle. That was a good show. The registered Republican, married father of two, hoped that after this, his party would move away from Donald Trump. They didn't. When you go down that path and that's how you gain your notoriety, when you abandon decency, it's hard to go back on. Deagle changed his party registration. Among the more than 9,000 Republicans who the Secretary of State says changed their affiliation since the insurrection at the Capitol. We've got a bankrupt party here in the state, and it needs to be rebuilt. And remade away from the images of Arizonans arrested at the Capitol to winning statewide elections, says State Senator T.J. Shope. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, I wear a different hat than the guy in the horns, but, you know... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it is definitely time for a, a, a reset. Is what the AZGOP doing turning the page? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's, uh, I have no idea what they're doing. But the state party seems intent to stay on the path forged by Trump, led by far-right chairwoman Kelly Ward. We have to stop the steal. Who played an audio message from Trump at the state party meeting. I give my complete and total endorsement to Kelly Ward. Thank you very much and was re-elected. Uh, just lost uh, Kyung La, but our coverage on CNN continues right now. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.